For the last two weeks, Britain has had its first chance to see US superstars racked live on the road. And with me today are Robin and Stephen from the band. How you doing? All right. How you doing Fine. out there? It's like working with Ozzy. It's great. Crazy. Yeah, I can it's kind imagine. of ironic. The first tour we did in yeah. the States was with Ozzy, so it seems apt that we're here with yeah. him he's, for he's, the first time. He's a good buddy of ours, Uncle Oz. So your most recent US tour, you were playing regularly some sort of 20,000 people a night? Yeah. Does anywhere. It, does it go to your head? We enjoy uh, it. it. <laughs> Where does it go? <laughs> Uh, when you're on tour, what do you do with yourself? I mean, you must sort of have to think drink of a lot of booze. <laughs> no, we really. No, you don't do that. No, we don't. We <laughs> do we do like how do you pass the time? Well, I couldn't tell you. I pass my time, but the band passes its time by having parties. Yeah. Wild, crazy. We breathe, live, sleep, yeah. eat. You don't rat sort of and roll. So normally I would say something witty here, but Hollywood told me just to say something stupid like I always do. So welcome to the Grown Up Rock Podcast. Now get ready to cruise the Sunset Strip with your Rat and Roll and Motley Crew. Now, crank it up. Right there, Hollywood. Are you a wanted man, brother? Uh, yeah, most likely in a couple of countries, actually. But uh, you've never said anything witty, so uh, don't be somebody you're not. My mom says I said stuff witty all the time. Is she supposed to say that? She's your mom. My wife says it. She's supposed to say it too. She's your wife. Ask anybody who's not supposed to say it. Ask the guy who joins us today. <laughs> all right. So fine. If you're not a wanted man, are you too fast for love? Uh, I'm more of a wanted man than I am too fast for love. <laughs> <laughs> all right so it's all about the crew and rat and roll and to do this we couldn't do it alone so we got to bring on a special guest tell the listeners who we have for them tonight well nobody else would come on so we called Baco. hey how's it going? <laughs> it's going it's going well yeah i'm uh i'm glad it was a last resort that's kind of my go-to role and we know you'll do a fantastic job, buddy. Oh, thanks a lot. Your mom told me the same thing. So. <laughs> oh, and so nice. did your wife. I like, yeah. I like it. I like it. Maybe it's time for Rezzy to lay into your mama. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Maybe it's time for Rezzy to talk about your mama a little bit. You're the man, Rezzy. Your mother's so fat. 
She went to Scissors, and the bitch got a group discount. <laughs> okay, fat jokes. You want to do fat jokes? All right. Your mother's so fat, the bitch need a timer's guide to find her asshole. God, it's already started. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the one and the only Baco from Cobras and Fires, Snakes and Flames. What else do you guys go by over there? I don't know. Uh, Bert and Ernie, um, <laughs> Kim and Kanye. Uh, <laughs> I like Kim and Kanye. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> we're just, uh, we're basically every uh, famous duo, you know, uh, just replicated in some way. So. Yeah, so for the fine listeners that haven't had a chance to listen to the Cobras and Fire podcast, tell the listeners a little bit about your podcast so they know where to find you. Well, obviously, if you just go ahead and Google, you know, the internet, uh, to the internet, Cobras and Fire podcast, you're going to come up across CobrasandFire.com. We're also, which honestly, that's probably the best way because there's the links to everything, Facebook, Twitter, uh, the YouTube page. It has all of our episodes, uh, you know, the entire archive, all that kind of stuff. I'm also doing a, as of this year, kind of a sidecast series of uh, counting down Rolling Stones' 25 greatest grunge albums of all time, and I've had a lot of a lot of fun guests. I know Stephen, you're coming up on, on the list a little bit. We'll use that as as a little bit of a tease. So that's been kind of fun to kind of revisit some of my college years and do that kind of thing. Yeah, basically, our, our show is Luce and I. You know, our show notes are literally like you know Sebastian Bach said this, and then we'll just talk for 10 minutes and you know see where it goes and. It's just kind of absurd conversations about things that are happening in, in rock music. You know, as uh, Luce likes to say, we make fun of what we love. So we really love you guys. <laughs> yeah. Really love us. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're right. Yeah, we, we actually, at least, man, I would say once every other episode, I intentionally throw in something just totally false with the hope that, like, you'll text me at some point And like, okay, you know this is wrong, right? So. <laughs> and usually I'm driving down the road and yelling at the radio pretty much <laughs> going, is he serious? Is he not serious? And then once in a while, he'll throw me a bone and say, yeah, that was just for you. Yeah, I'm not serious. So that helps me out a little bit. Right on. <laughs> and now I'm sure it'll come up on your podcast. So we'll get a little preview here. Your thoughts on Quiet Riot going out without anybody that was actually in Quiet Riot. <laughs> at the beginning. Well, they were doing that before Frankie died. Um the abridged version is I really don't care that much. Um, Frankie was kind of that old Italian kind of guy that like it meant a lot to have permission from Kevin Dubrow's mom to carry on the, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then it, I, I think the fact that because it's just quite right, I really don't care that much. 
and I 100% believe that Frankie gave his blessing and said, I want you to do this. So as far as the legal angle on it and, and all that stuff and why they would have, you know, like, can they do it? You know, that kind of stuff. I don't know, but I'm assuming that might have been taken care of before that. But for what it's worth, you know, rest in peace, Frankie. He was an icon and, and he, he deserves the recognition. But yeah, it's definitely going to be something we'll, we'll cover on this show coming forward. But no, to, to be totally honest, I really don't have that big a deal with it. It's interesting to me because is Aerosmith ever going to be over or somebody just carries it on? I guess Alice Cooper would be over because you can't call yourself Alice Cooper. I guess you can. Uh-huh. It's a character. You know, it's like, are these bands ever going to basically quit or they're just going to kind of be in different formations 50 years after we're dead? Not to be an ass. I think it matters more with the, the every artist you mentioned. Look, I know I, I make a lot of jokes and crack stuff. I'm really not trying to be mean, but the reality is we're talking about a band that had two songs on one record that matters at this point of the game when it comes to the people who are going to attend like a festival or something like that, which is really their only their game. And and God bless these guys, because the, the ones that are, are left, they still need to make money and eat and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, and it's not like they're they're cashing in and, and getting filthy rich on this thing. It's just a way to kind of continue a career and have some money, but it's really not the same as if Aerosmith continued without Steven Tyler or Kiss without Ace Freely. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, really? You had to go there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> go back 100 and so episodes if you want my thoughts on that. <laughs> when do you guys release? Cobras and Fire comes out every Tuesday, right? Every Tuesday, yeah, and we're kind of. Uh, it depends on what the, what what we have in store. Some some episodes are a little more time sensitive, so we'll. And the whole grunge thing is the opposite. You know, it's kind of evergreen. We, it can be pushed around as much as we need to, as far as sliding it programming wise. So yeah, but it's kind of been going back and forth for the most of the year. It's like uh, well, one week it's a a loose and I episode, and the next week it's the whatever never mind series, which is the name of the the whole grunge sidecast. Yeah, awesome. Well, so before we get into this crew and rat extravaganza, you know we got to do this. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. All right, so for tonight's Crank It Up New Music Spotlight, featuring a band called South of Eden with their single Dancing With Fire. And here's what their press release says, and I'll read this verbatim. We're a four-piece band from Midwest Ohio. We're all college dropouts, and we're not fond of rules. Yeah, rule breakers. We like to play by our own. (laughs) We play for others and see and do things differently. The ones who also like to play by their own rules. Although we may be few of us, long live rock and roll. Check out this tune. Let us know what you think.
So, Stephen, I was telling you, these guys used to be called Black Coffee. There's a song out there called I Barely Know Her. I love that song. This this song's okay, but I love the other song. I don't know why they changed their name, though. Yeah, I have no idea either, although I do know that South of Eden just recently signed a deal with Lava Records, which is, I mean, that's a pretty big record company in today's standards. Uh, so that's interesting. I actually like that Black Coffee EP quite a bit. I had no idea. I've listened to the South of Eden EP a few times. It's pretty good. I just haven't spent enough time with it yet. But that Black Coffee is really pretty decent. So, so we had an idea. And the idea was, well, the thought was, is why is Motley Crue so huge? And Rat was not as huge. There's some rabid Rat fans out there. There's obviously some rabid crew fans out there, too. Uh, I'll save my opinions of my personal taste for later. But uh, so we started thinking about it. So we figured we'd go out and ask the listeners, why was crew so much bigger than Rat? And oh, my God, did we get some answers. So figured we'd talk about those. I think we're starting with our thoughts on our personal I guess, liking to rat or a crew, right? So let's start with Baco. Well, I, I, I would have to say across the board, rat is better at pretty much every position in the band, even singer other than drummer. Um, I guess I, I, I would give the edge to Tommy there, but you know, Warren Demartini, uh, it, you know, is going to be a superior guitar player to, to make Mars, that kind of thing. And I actually think their records are more consistent and, and the, the songs are, are better. Uh, Motley Crue was, Oh man, they were kind of all over the place. So I I do think they are a better band. And at the time, they were kind of neck and neck as far as popularity, probably leading up to Dr. Feelgood. I don't think Rat ever did anything that kind of blew up like that. But Motley Crue, they basically are the epitome of what we're talking about, the Sunset Strip kind of metal scene that uh, is now called kind of hair metal, that kind of thing. There's just something more earthy and real about what they did, at least at that time. Now they're just basically a brand, but back then they were the the stepping point to basically everything we're talking about. I know Quiet Riot broke with their record and Twisted Sister, you know, but I remember hearing about Motley Crue. Motley Crue was the first cassette that I bought without ever listening to. It might have been only the third band that I bought that wasn't named Kiss that I wanted to listen to, that kind of stuff. But they just are so iconic from their imagery and, and even the fact that some of their records are kind of goofy and weird at times their songs stand out and are probably more memorable because of that and in other words the good times and the bad times they still strike a chord and, and take you back whereas rat i think it'd be easy for for people especially people who not like us who weren't our diehard fans to really get confused on what records some of these songs might have came off of because the production was pretty much set from uh, out of the cellar on for the next four albums, but they were still a band that, that toured arenas and, and had four platinum records. I think the other thing that might separate them a little bit is that, like, I don't think a single person in this band ever wanted to work with anybody in this band at any moment of the time that they were in the band. And I just think that that inconsistency just caused some some chaos. But they were they were cool back in the day. They're still kind of big on the on the whole uh, the festival circuit with those kind of '80s fest kind of deal. They would still be a headliner most nights, unless it's Bobby Blotzer's Rat. But that said, I totally get why they aren't as big as Motley Crue or remembered in the same way or revered that way. But I don't know. That's my summary of it, anyway. Stephen, how about you? 
So I kind of get a kick out of this, uh, out of a lot of the responses we got to this post, because the original idea was basically exactly why do we think that Rat didn't end up as big as Crew? And people were posting, Crew rules and Rat's better and this <laughs> band's better. And it, and it was never about who's better than the other band, although we will right. obviously give our opinions, but it was about why Rat wasn't as big, because I think that we can all say the bottom line is rat is not as big of a band as Motley Crue. And I went on Spotify because I was curious and I looked at the monthly listeners. And so the monthly listeners for rat is currently at 1.2 million listeners per month. Motley Crue, 5.4 million listeners per month. And to put this in perspective, poisons at 3 million Beyonce is at 35 million. So, <laughs> so that kind of puts it in perspective for you. And it just proves that like, just because rat is better, it's like every one of those bands, it's like, although I'm sorry, I guess poison isn't better than either one of these bands, but, but Beyonce is horrible. And look how many people like her can't write a song, can barely sing, looks good, but she's getting older, really has nothing to bring to the table, but she is treated like, I don't know, Spotify is darling. The, the general public doesn't care if you are more proficient at what you do or for the what we're saying, better. Yeah. I mean, for me, Rat hit at the exact right time in my life and was exactly what I was looking for musically. I think that bands like Quiet Riot and Motley Crue sort of paved the way on that Sunset Strip because they came before Rat. But Rat, I think, kind of kicked open the door with the commercial success that they had with Out of the Cellar. And I mean, Out of the Cellar, to me, is basically a perfect record. I mean, it is a perfect record for me. And Rat, for whatever reason, wrong or right, has always been in my top 10 bands. That's how much I like Rat. I think Rat was almost pretty well perfect through the first three albums. I think they started to falter a lot once they got to reach the sky. I think their sales dropped off. I think they had a lot of problems within the band. But I'm with you, Baco. I think position-wise, if we're talking about fantasy football here, position-wise, guys like Demartini and Robin Crosby and all those guys are pretty much better in every position except for the drumming position where I think Tommy Lee does have the edge over somebody like Blotzer. But and I think Blotzer's a fine drummer, by the way. I just I, I actually put Tommy Lee is one of my two favorite rock drummers of all time, the other one being Dave Grohl. But so I'm, I'm not really an issue with uh, Bobby's all, all of us saying, although I think he's a train wreck as a human being. This is Tommy. I think he's a solid drummer and uh, and all that, but Tommy has the full thing. He has the the chops. He also has the showmanship. And uh, let's face it, for most of the time, that dude looked pretty damn cool. How about you, Hollywood? All right. So for me, out of all the albums Crew or Rat has, the closest one that comes to Desert Island is out of the cellar for me. Okay. That being said, I would I would agree that Rat musicianship wise is better than Crew. There's no doubt about it. Demartini smokes all those guys. There's no doubt. After all that, if I had to name rat songs that were not on out of the cellar, I might come up with 10. <laughs> I could name 50. That's crew pretty songs good though. Without even trying. Right. So really I prefer listening to crew 
Aldo Rat to me is better. And I don't know why that is. And maybe because it's oh. an, I'm an MTB kid and it was forced down my throat. I don't know. Maybe I didn't make it clear. I 100% agree. I building my my CD collection from my cassette collection. You know what I mean? We all went kind of through that phase. The crew records got put in there before the Rat ones did, or at least you know completed first. But I I'm just a bigger crew fan. Well, let me put it to you this way. I went and visited each one of these records, both on the crew side and the rat side, uh, over the last week. And I'll say this much. Rat has never made an album that basically is unlistenable to me. Even Collage? (laughs) You haven't listened enough. (laughs) Let me tell you, even Collage, Rat has never made a record that is unlistenable to me. And Generation Swine is unlistenable. That record is absolutely horrible. I agree with that and Saints of Los Angeles. I just, just shit. You know, Saints of Los Angeles has some decent stuff on it. it. You sound like fucking someone defending Monster or Sonic Boom. It's like, this reminds me of a, a robot doing what I like by these guys. Ugh. But you know what? I don't have an issue with Sonic Boom or Monster either. Of course you don't. They're horrible and you have bad taste. You're fired. You are a horrible person. You know, Charmer yourself. And to think I was this, this close to inviting you to join us in the jacuzzi. Oh, there isn't enough penicillin in the world. No, are they my favorite records? No, but I don't have a problem with them. And I don't have a problem. Saints of Los Angeles isn't a record that if you said, well, let's go listen to a crew record. That's not the record I'm going to. But it's not, it's not Generation Swine, for God's sakes. I mean, that record is absolutely horrible. So, you know, that's the way I kind of look at things. And if you were, if I'm comparing albums to albums, even a great album like, let's say, Shout at the Devil, which, don't get me wrong, I love Shout at the Devil. I'm about to get you wrong. Keep going. I don't know if it's my favorite crew record, but it's up there and I like it a lot. But there's a few songs on that record that is just a waste to me. uh, They don't do anything for me. That song, Danger, I don't care about that song, Danger. Hollywood, come on. <laughs> I know. That's because, you know, it's not slip of the lip. That's why. Uh, slip of the lip, at least that's a good ACDC ripoff. It may be an ACDC ripoff, but is it good? I like no. slip of the lip. Slip of the lip is just junk. What about Way Cool Jr.? I bet you love that fucking pile of shit. I like that, too. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> oh, good Lord. I would, but I can't remember any other songs by yeah, I, was gonna say, I, was, I told you I didn't do any prep. You gave me nothing to go on. Oh, man. There was this waitress in high school that the, the restaurant I worked at. Uh, her and I were in the same grade, and uh, her name was Julie. And I used to call her Way Cool Julie. I just had a crush on her is all I'm really trying to say. You yelled rape at the top of your lungs. Mom, I honestly thought I was going to be raped for a second. He had the craziest look in his eyes, and at one point he said, let's get it on. That was about the fighting. I'm so not a raper. (laughs) (laughs) That's great random facts there, Baco. Wait, I wonder what she's doing now. (laughs) (laughs) Look her up on Facebook. (laughs) So, Hollywood, you hate both of the singers in these bands, right? You don't like either one of them, but I think we can all agree that no matter what, both Piercy and Vince Neil have pretty unique voices, whereas if they sang on a song, you would know it's them. Well, I, I, uh, yeah, absolutely, because I would turn it off. But <laughs> 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 oh my god! My, my favorite crew record 
Vince doesn't even sing on. What about you, Baca? What's your favorite crew record? That's easily Shot at the Devil. Then uh, I can do probably a quick ranking of the ones that matter to me anyway. Shot at the Devil, then Too Fast, and then, oh, fuck. Can I just kind of mix in uh, the next two girls, girls, and uh, Theater Pain? I'll, I'll just pick my 10 off that, and then it's the Karabi record. And then everything else is pointless, so. Yeah, okay. As far as Rat, the first four full records, they're basically the same damn album four times, but Rat's comeback record blew away Saints of Los Angeles that – uh, Infestation is a killer fucking rat album. Yeah, I agree 100%.
And as much as Piercy is not exactly your prototypical singer, he can still clear the throat up and still pull off the same shit. I saw them when they reunited. Their first show was actually here in Minnesota at a casino when they had Juan and Piercy back for the first time after that whole messy breakup thing, right? No Bobby, you know what I mean? It was after all that mess. Right. And Piercy sounded like Piercy for about three and a half songs. And then, like an untrained singer, you could hear his voice almost go, nope, we're done. And then it was kind of a, a shit show for the rest of the night from him. But it is what it is, I guess, with both these singers in their prime. Cool. Hollywood, you want to get to some of these uh, pole things, whatever you call them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So first thing we did was a Twitter poll. And uh, I asked basically Rat versus Motley Crue, pick your personal favorite. We got over 300 votes and I gave nice. four four choices. Invasion, Girls, 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 Out of the Cellar, Shout at the Devil. Now, anytime you hear somebody talk about Rat, Out of the Cellars, usually the next thing that comes out of their mouth, it got 20% of the vote. Shout killed everything at 54%. It wasn't yeah. even close. I can tell you that the reasons included childhood memories, Shout was more rebel, you know, Rat's incredible, but Motley has staying power. And even though Invasion only got 7% of the vote, they were probably the loudest in the comments, right? Because the people who love Invasion really love Invasion, and they want you to know it. Nice. I love Invasion. Yeah, I like about half of it. I like Invasion better than Girls, 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 or Theater of Pain. I can tell you that. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> that's just that's just me personally. It's not even my favorite rat record. I would actually probably put Infestation number one, to be honest with you. And I don't know. I like Invasion better than Out of the Cellar. But again, these are kind of like 1A, 1B kind of things with me. They didn't really, until Reach for the Sky, I didn't really have that big of an issue. Oh, what, what's that? Oh, fuck. There is a dumb song on Dancing Undercover, though. Did we already talk about that? Or the lip. that yeah, oh. you mentioned it. Yeah, that, that song is complete shit. But uh, um, <laughs> to me, Motley Crue just kind of punches through a little quicker, even when the record maybe not be as good. I'm doing this off the top of my head, so it might not be right. But isn't it? Slip, slip, slip of the lip. I love the way you move your hips. Loose lips sink ships. The way you hit, you don't miss. Isn't that the line? Close enough. That's very close. That has to be almost spot on. Yeah.
and that's shit. Uh, you know, it's not so, it's not the lyrics though. To me, it's more how it was sung. It's like new snaps, sink ships, me, 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 me. It's like because there's look, I, I guarantee uh, Pony, if I go back and listen to all the episodes of the songs you praised, I can probably find fifty of them that have lyrics just as dumb. But there's something more catchy about the way they're delivered and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it goes without saying that lyrically. Nikki Six writes much better and deeper lyrics than somebody <laughs> like Piercy or somebody's been fucking licking his taint. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being honest. Nikki likes to think he's deep, but uh, he's still just a little boy whose daddy didn't love him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually true. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Not a shot, by the way. <laughs> so then we went to the listeners on Twitter and Facebook and asked this question, Motley Crew versus Rat. Folks would agree that Motley's more widely known and definitely sold more records. We know that for sure. Some would say Rat music is more consistent over the years. Why wasn't Rat bigger? What needed to happen for Rat to eclipse Motley Crew? Would love to hear your thoughts. So Steve DeWood had an interesting one. He said the shout factor. Strong songs. Significant departure from the also excellent Too Fast for Love. Mick's tone was fabulous. Vince sounds incredible. Probably the best he would ever sound, in his opinion. And most importantly, it has lasting power. So for him, Shout at the Devil was awesome, and it stayed awesome throughout his life. Baco, what do you think about that? Well, he's on to something a little bit. The mystique started with Shout at the Devil, the whole satanic imagery and all that stuff. Like I said, there was word of mouth for this record in a tiny ass dick town that I grew up in, I bought this. My choice was, can I get an OP t-shirt? You remember ocean Pacific? Yep. Cause that was super cool in the school at the time or this. I, I chose the cassette uh, for my birthday and you know, that's how poor we were. That's how my head, I could get $10 or something. But I, I do think there's this rush with people that get into this stuff to, to oversimplify things. It's like, see this, then this, I'm sorry, Gene Simmons, the world isn't that simple. It's not just that easy. Yeah, it was part of it. It was the first stepping stone. But honestly, if you're going to say something like that, then I think the fact that tragic car accident was a big part of it, too, because that kept them in the news. They're bad boys. They're edgy. They're doing this stuff. That ridiculous wait for the second record, at least for the time, you know, added to it. Vince going to jail, even though it was really not going to jail as we know now. And I'm not trying to make light of that event or any, all the, all the, the tragic consequences there. I'm just saying these things all mattered. Red had none of that. Red had a pop song that got played a lot on MTV. And then we're basically able to parlay that into three more albums that sold almost exactly the same. Yeah. Steven, your thoughts. Yeah, no, I think all that Baco just said is definitely spot on. I think there are other factors involved they were too clean for lack of better word. There you go. I mean, Motley was always in the news. And the other thing you'll notice with any huge artist, be it a Prince, a Madonna, uh, even the Beatles, they changed their look throughout the course of their career. And Motley Crue changed their look throughout the course of their career. And sound. Correct. Rat, not so much. Rat pretty much looked the same throughout all those records. So I think that that all played a part. It's because there was a driving force. If you want to dumb it down to one thing, and maybe our commenter does, it would be something like that. Rat seemed to be like five guys that like 
wanted to vote on everything. And then there would always be like a two, two, one vote. I want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to vote. It's just like, so that's what they ended up with. How big a part do you think that somebody like a McGee management played versus Burl management? I would say it's huge in that sense because it's Doc McGee. I don't know much about the, the Burl management and how good or bad they were, but having Doc McGee, that, that guy is, um, he is the epitome of like him and the, the, the guy that manages the Eagles. Now those are the two guys that just get shit done. Yeah, I think uh, McGee, obviously, he's hot at the time, so there's absolutely no doubt. This Milton Burl thing is very interesting because we're watching a movie the other day, and uh, my daughter, who's 17, says, who's that old guy? And it was George Clooney. I'm like, you don't know who George Clooney is? <laughs> to, to her, he is an old guy, right? To Milton Burl, I was like, is that Milton Burl, the guy yeah. from like, the 50s and 60s? What the hell is he doing on a rat video? Yeah. Right? So I'm not sure it's connecting to the audience that they're supposed to absolutely connect with, even though that video was huge. There's no doubt about it. But there's yeah. something about riding the hot hand with McGee, and that came up in some of the comments that Doc McGee alone, you know, if he has rat, maybe they get different opportunities. But I like what Baco said about something, too. I think you got to have one leader. This democracy thing. I live in a country that has democracy. Love it. Not trying to get out of the U.S. I'm just telling you, in a band, it's shit. Right? you got to uh, have it, it, a leader. I- I can tell you firsthand, it does not work. You can you can have input from everybody, but somebody has to kind of be the, the person that's out front all the time. And to be honest with you, most bands, they're comfortable letting the one guy be that guy until they make a lot of money, and then they don't want to shit on them, you know. But uh, I, I haven't experienced that, and I've just read books. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we'll move to the next comment, which came up a lot, and we'll just label it as the home sweet home effect. And basically many, many, many listeners talked about Motley had a ballad. It came out right when ballads were starting to get hot. You could say they had the first hot ballad possibly and rat never did it. And I was like, thank God rat really never did it because Steven can't do that shit. (laughs) So the home sweet home effect, I think that's real Baca. What do you think? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, They might have had the first hair, hair band ballad, that whole movement kind of started with that and it was a great tune it's still timeless you know and and i actually was thinking about that too rat really never did have a ballad they have a couple kind of slower tunes it's not really their cup of tea or their their go-to which is fine with me to be honest with you but as far as being that next level that next tier you do kind of have to have that one thing that kind of pushes you past the super fan you know what i mean and rat really didn't have that outside of round and round yeah, Steven? Yeah, I absolutely uh, agree with this whole thing because uh, they came out at the exact right time with this ballot, and Rat never really had a ballad. But I'll be honest, that's actually one of the things I loved about Rat is I didn't have to worry about a whole bunch of skippers on the record that were ballads. <laughs> now, Baco would argue with me because he's saying slip of the lip is shit, where I was like, nah, it's good uh rip off of uh acdc and i like it but that's just me maybe i'm a little bit easier to please well acdc did a lot of shitty tunes too so maybe that's one of those that they ripped off wow you know what though the acdc tunes that i'm not a huge fan of are those like slower grooving blues tunes not to get off yeah. on an acdc uh kick but those are the ones <laughs> that i don't love a lot you know i like songs that that rock 
God damn it, I'm a rock and roller. And uh, so I, I like the songs like that too, but to me, the first criteria is, is it any damn good? So Thunderstruck is a pass for me. Oh my God. All right. Whatever. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. So yeah, I think that's a, a real thing. I agree a hundred percent with the ballad thing. The next topic that came up, which I'll kind of call bad boy image and then part pop culture and, you know, people just love a train wreck. Right. So, you know, whether you want to say rat was fun and sexy and crew was more dark and maybe still sexy, but you kill someone. There's drunk driving ads, Nikki dying on the table, Tommy's sex tape. You got fighting with Axel. You got Heather Locklear. You got Pam Anderson. Like there's so many things that keep you within pop culture, touch a bunch of different places like actresses and stuff. And now you got Vince going out there. Don't you drive drunk because otherwise he's got to do more jail time. <laughs> that couldn't have hurt. So we'll go with Steven first on this one. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, we kind of already touched on this. Yeah, that's a real thing. They were always in the news. So absolutely agree 100% with this. Yeah, Baku didn't hurt him any, right? No, not at all. And uh, and the weird thing, is, I, I think that it kind of shows kind of a, a, a sicker side of people in this country. But I believe all of it in, in sense of like, I don't think these things happened for uh, some sort of publicity stunt, if that makes sense. I think this is how they live their life. These, these are how things laid out for them. And I think that realness connected with people. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. This one was interesting. Tommy's drum antics may not have <laughs> impressed musicians, but fans ate it up. And then later on, a lot of conversation around Rat is not great live. Rat doesn't have energy live. <laughs> and Motley brought a huge show. I'll tell you, I experienced this too, but Motley was big and could bring a huge show. Rat was not big and couldn't do that. But these Tommy drum antics, I got to tell you, I, after seeing some Motley shows, I'd go to school and say, did you see what Tommy did last night? Like, it's one of those things. So Baco, is that overblown? Like whether he's a great drummer or not, whatever, but the cool drum things he's doing are unique. It's not overblown at all. It goes back to that word of mouth about even shot at the devil back in the day that I was talking about. It is legit, and, and the fact that people are walking away talking about this stuff just makes the conversation bigger than the music, you know what I mean? And that's why Motley kind of gets in that in sense. I never really thought about it in the sense of the drum solo, just, just because, whatever, I just never done it. I mean, that's a great freaking point.
Yeah, Stephen, your thoughts? What did you think about like the roller coaster and him hanging upside down? I thought he was nuts. He should have thrown up every time, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, always cool stuff. I mean, the only thing I ever remember with Rat, and I saw it first with Rat, I think, was uh, uh, Bobby getting a six-pack out of the sky. Uh, you know, somebody dropped a six pack to him or something like that. But, you know, listen, the first few times I saw rap, I saw him early on. I thought they were fantastic. And it was pretty much a normal show with what was available at the time. Crew stepped it up a little bit. I saw Carnival of Sins tour it was crazy and out of control with all the acrobats and all that stuff going on and Tommy's drum solos. I mean, definitely in terms of just actual show, Motley had a much better show, but like Baco said, they had more money to spend. So, but Nikki and Tommy bought into it. I don't look, Vince was always along for the ride. And I think Mick was just that guy kind of standing on the edge of the stage, but those two were always like this boom, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. That kind of driving force. And that passion is what drove kind of like what you ended up seeing. And to me, that made it more real. Like you said, probably Rat put on a pretty expensive show and stuff like that. But I kid you not, as many times as I've seen Rat, the best Rat show I ever saw, hands down, was in a bar in Faribault, Minnesota in 2004 with Jizzy Pearl fronting the band. As far as a performance that was energetic and that was got the crowd going, that be every arena show I've ever seen with them before or after. Yeah, I mean, I can't honestly say that. I mean, I saw Rat on the first tour opening up for Billy Squire in an arena. Uh, they were fantastic then. Did he rock you that night? Yeah, he rocked me that night. I saw him, I saw him headlining the Invasion of Your Privacy tour in an arena when they shot the You're in Love video. I'm sorry, was that... Did you say urine love? You're, yeah, that's exactly what he said. Urine love. Urine love. Urine love. Okay, urine love. So love and urine. Yeah. Pissed on. Okay. I saw that show and Bon Jovi opened and Bon Jovi was amazing. Both those tours, both those shows were great. I'll tell you, Rat Live, I can't say much because I bought tickets six times. They canceled four out of the six. <laughs> so I saw them in 89 in a club and then I saw them in 2005 and that was it. And both times they sucked. So I'm just like, you know what? Whatever. So, and I was sick of seeing Vince live, but I saw Motley every time they came because I wanted to see what Tommy was doing. I don't know why. You know what? I saw crew on the Carnival of Sins tour for three songs. Vince came out, pulled a hamstring, had to be carried off stage, and they canceled the show. I've fallen and I can't get up. I know. They returned to play probably, I don't know, several months later. Uh, I saw that show and it was fine, but... Yeah, yeah, that was my experience with Carnival Sins. Dave Grohl, as much as he got, some people like to shit on that band, broke a goddamn leg, got propped up on a chair, finished the show, and then went to the hospital. Yep. A uh, this one old hamstring? Are you kidding me? It was, <laughs> it was something like that. All I know is that he ran and he... And he fell and <laughs> he ran and he fell and they were literally working on him got, for I like got a cramp. I got a cramp. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm filling my keys. <laughs> they were yeah. working he on him for like, Stop, yeah. like 20 minutes on the side of the stage under this little tent. And finally, Tommy and Nikki came out and goes, look, dudes, we're going to have to cancel the show. We'll honor the tickets. We'll be back to play for you guys. But this is it. So it was literally, it was like, I want to say like three songs into the set. Those guys, they just fucking hate Vince. 
All right, so the next comment, very, very interesting. I've never heard this before, and uh want your take on this. So somebody said, maybe it was the covers. So Helter Skelter, Jailhouse Rock, Smoke in the Boys Room, Anarchy in the UK, is pulling fans from other genres in to at least experience what Motley Crue is. So is that genius? Is that lucky? And maybe Rat was missing like a big cover song. I guess they should have done I Want to Rat and Roll All Night. I don't know. But it's an interesting comment. So, Baco, what do you think about that? Well, I'll be nice because I, the person kind of phrased it as like, hey, is it possible? Like, they weren't actually claiming it to be true because it's, that, that's a really stupid thing because Motley covers are garbage. Other than smoking in the boys' room. Garbage. Did anything as far as, like, you know, moving the needle. So, no, they're, Motley covers were, like most covers of, of bands from this era, filler. Uh, a way to add that that extra three minutes to the record. So no, that had zip to do with it. Steven covers are shit, but the guy's not necessarily saying were the covers good. What he said, and at least what I heard you say is did the covers pull in people from different, a different generation maybe to see what Motley Crue was doing. And when you phrase it that way, Maybe I don't. I hated no. their covers. No, I mean I hated. Nobody's their covers. going like you know what I. I don't like hard rock or metal. I'm a huge Beatles fan, but maybe this Motley Crue thing is worth checking out. <laughs> you mean you mean there wasn't somebody out there going? I really love Brownsville Station. Let me check out their cover of Smoking in the Boys Room or punk rockers like oh a fucking. I didn't like Motley Crue. I thought they were lame and stupid, but then they did a really shitty version <laughs> of Anarchy in the UK. That's going to help me want to like these guys more. Now, you're not buying anything Motley Crue. None of their covers are a gateway, except for maybe Smoking in the Boys' Room. But even that, I would say that the fans of that song originally were not going to be pulled in either. I think that song benefited from the fact that, like, Nobody really remembered that song. It wasn't like this this timeless hit. If anything, Motley's version is dwarfed the the, the original. So, which is how you should approach a cover. <laughs> I think the covers are interesting. I, I I don't know if Piercy could have really you know you really want him yeah. to do some uh, you know Temptation song like I don't right kind of so, like the ballad thing you were saying. It's like he can't really do it. Yeah. What what cover can you? Does it sound like Rat could do? I'm not even. They've literally done none. I don't think they've done any. I can't think of any, but I can't think of any rat songs. So maybe that's my fault. (laughs) I'm with you though. I can't, I'm I'm, I'm not pulling one up anyway. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, one of the comments were Motley went after like a kiss style, larger than life type personality. So that's why you got the four squares on shout and they're trying to entice you by falling in love with one of the characters. Uh, that's an interesting take. Uh, I don't know if I've heard that before. So, Stephen, what do you think about that? Yeah, I don't think that's wrong. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody, ah, Mick Mars is the best guitarist ever. <laughs> Baco, have you heard that? I have actually heard one person tell me that his favorite guitar player is Mick Mars. And I had a similar reaction to kind of what you're saying. I was like, really? Uh, I Mick, I think, is the unsung hero of Motley Crue, by the way. Every record after Too Fast for Love has kind of next level guitar tone. And every record it changes. So he he kind of messes around with it. And his playing 
is actually very fucking good, man. It's not like, you know, Warren Martini is more of kind of like that uh, higher-end shredder kind of 80s guitar player, where Mick is more of a bluesy guy, but he was able to be like, like Ace Frehley would have really had a hard time being with Kiss during that animalized asylum kind of stuff. His guitar style really just wouldn't fit it. Mick was very similar style-wise, but somehow it worked, and he, he was able to do that. But yeah, I mean, he's not really that guy, but I, to your original point, I think there's something there. I do think that that whole Vince, Nikki, Tommy, and uh, Mick, that's very legit. I, I, I thought about it that at the time. It's like there's always those, those four members that everybody knows, that kind of thing. It's very much that Beatles thing. Yeah, because later a comment came saying Vince being blonde versus Steven being who he is. Like Vince attracted more women, and that immediately brings in more <laughs> fans because they're more loyal. I don't know if I disagree with that. Tracy Guns flat out said if they had a blonde singer, they would have been a bigger band. Wow. Steven, have you ever heard such a thing? I never heard like somebody needs to be blonde. There's a reason that uh, the statement blondes have more fun was made. Yes, <laughs> I believe that to be a true statement. Wow. Even if it's part- fake blonde, bleach blonde. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm partial to redheads, but that's me. Um, okay. Uh, we had, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we had a fan from Asia connect and said Motley was everywhere and you barely heard of rat. I wonder if Motley was bigger abroad and maybe rat was taken as an American band and that gives you mass mass appeal besides the U S I don't know, Jason, what do you think? Well, then I think firehouse would be a much bigger band than they are right now. <laughs> Huge in Japan. Oh, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Rat was huge in Japan, too, so I don't know if that's... A, oh, were they? Yeah, Rat was really big in Japan. A lot of comments around timing, and Bo Diddley 86 probably put it well. He said, I, if I had to venture a guess, I would say it was timing. Rat was around since 76. Crew came in at 81. So Crew's hitting us, I guess, ascending to its peak right in the MTV generation, where Rat didn't have enough staying power with Invasion to stay in the MTV generation. Mm. So crew keeps it fresh because of timing. If rat, if out of the cellar, maybe now he didn't say this part. This is me. Does out of the cellar sell even bigger if it gets released in 87 instead? Possibly. No. Baco, what do you think? I, I, I don't agree with that. No. I, I mean, I agree with the timing thing. I mean, rat was very methodical from sound to look to release date. It was almost like 12 months every year, you know, and they tour. But so I, I think there's something to that. I just think, that's an interesting way to say that Motley Crue was more interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Steven, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think that's a falsehood because they they hit uh, exactly when they needed to hit in terms of MTV. Yeah. If anything, they probably were a big part of breaking all those bands even being able to be on MTV. Correct. Yeah, it's interesting because w- one of the other comments were, that the crew singles were bigger and rat singles weren't great or didn't sell as well, I guess is the way to put it. But you know, if it wasn't for the rat singles, I'm, I'm not sure they picked the wrong songs off invasion. Like I, I'm not in love with way cool junior either, but I don't know if there's a better song on sure. that album. That's a good point. Way cool junior was off of reach for the sky. So lay it down was on invasion and that was a huge, uh, single on MTV. So round and round back for more, on the out of the cellar record and then lay it down 
and you're in love off of invasion. Is that that you're you're in love again? <laughs> <laughs> See what I mean? It just it's the way he pronounces things. That's it gets us in trouble all the I've, time. I've never noticed that. Uh, <laughs> I to to your point, uh, Sonny, I I one hundred percent agree. I don't think they they picked the wrong singles. They look. I, I think it could be as simple as Rat just wasn't as memorable and likable long-term as, as Molly crew was for people that aren't us. I mean, guys like us, we break shit down all the time. You know what I mean? Maybe rats, not your jam, uh, Sonny, but plenty of bands that, that, that you like are kind of in that same kind of vein where that, what gets you to that next level and to be the kind of iconic act really doesn't have a lot to do with, with, with talent and, and talent gets you so far it's it's what you do after that that kind of breaks you into the, the stratosphere, I guess. Yeah. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner. And Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. I would tell you neither Rat nor Motley Crue is one of my top 10 bands. Oh, now, uh, that, that's clear. Yes. Right. But if either one of them had a better singer, I don't know if they wouldn't be. It's the singer that keeps them out of my top 10. Man, I don't think a really talented singer would work with these guys. Either <laughs> one. I, I, I actually think the singers they've got are the perfect fit for what they did. I, I really don't want like um I, I don't know like a, a, a for the time we'll say a Tyler or a, or a Paul Stanley kind of like that guy who can really do this thing. I just think it would actually probably hurt their overall sound. Yeah. But of course, you like the winery dogs, which everybody is just uh, elite level. So. Oh come on, dude! I love the winery dogs. There's nothing wrong with the winery dogs. Don't be mean. I'm just saying, but there's a reason that they're not like talked about like Van Halen. Yeah, 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 yeah. You need Michael Anthony and David LaRoth to offset Eddie and Alex. It's called balance. Stephen, what do you think about it? Could they have had another singer? Now I'm thinking about it. I guess I don't want Paul singing Wanted Man. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hard to... Uh, Maybe to, Gene. It's hard to look at <laughs> hindsight, but I think you definitely need a, a growly singer. Yeah. 
lots of conversation around rats interfighting. That's been public. We don't know how long it's been hanging around. Even the producers of their albums are like, look, they were at each other's throats trying to figure out royalty and publishing rights and blah, blah. That could not have been helping rat. That That's for sure, I would say, right? It certainly sidetracked Dokken because, I mean, <laughs> a lot of people talk about why wasn't Dokken huger. I think that that's the exact reason why that band never became much bigger than they were. But then again, it's not like Motley Crue were having kumbayas either. So I don't know. But there's a big difference there, Stephen. There was a period where they started off where they were an all-for-one kind of thing. They literally, three of them lived in the same apartment. Yeah. All these other bands probably... We're, we're, we're living with their parents or, or you know, being chauffeured around where is like Motley Crue. We're like, this is us. We are a driving force. We are when they went into a city in the early days, they were like this unit. And while that, that probably, again, success always splinters things out a little bit. Rat never had that. You know, all these other bands that we talked about, the the great bands always kind of have that thing. It's, it's, well, looking back anyway, I don't know what nowadays, but like Kiss, they were really tight for a long time until success hit. Same with Motley, same with Van Halen. But Rat was more like, well, we got rid of Jakey e. Lee, let's get Warren D. Martini, or however that all came together. It was just more of like, the, almost at a certain point, it's like, well, Milton Berle wants to to invest in us. So now we've become a product. You know what I mean? It's just like the next wave. Yeah. I think it comes back to that. You can start Kumbaya at the beginning, but once success comes, you have to have a leader, right? So even if you take yeah. sports, yep. you know, watching uh, the documentaries on the bulls, like everybody was in love with Jordan because as the team got bigger and they started winning, he was the leader. Hell, he was trash talking in practice. Right. But there's uh books written about Utah jazz being Kumbaya all the time. And Malone loves Stockton. They never won a championship. Like you yeah. can only get to so far and then you got to have a driving force. I think it, I think it just comes down to that. It's interesting. Yep. Okay. So Nikki's songwriting came up a lot and I don't know, is it better for a band to have a main songwriter? The stuff's coming out of that person. If that person grows with time, the songwriting grows with them. Or would you rather have a, but Demartini writes some, Crosby writes some, Piercy writes some. Like, Baco, is it better if one person writes and then that's the way the band goes? Or My personal feeling on this is that like it is super important, even if you have a band that's driven by one person, that only one thing matters when you're writing and recording a song. Is it good? You don't get into, is it mine? Is it this? Is it that kind of stuff? Which is why it's probably beneficial to just, if you're going to be a band and you want to be a great band, to split everything, even though you might be doing a lion's share of the work. The reality is, I think greatness comes from accepting this is the best thing. You talked about Jordan. Jordan passed up the last shot against the Phoenix Suns in game six and and, uh, gave it to basically a bench player. And they won the game and they won a championship. That's what you get when, when when you approach it that way. So to me, I have a, a very narrow scope of this stuff as as, as someone who, who made an attempt to be become a huge mu- musician. But once I started working with somebody who didn't care, like whether it was his song or my song, and we started writing better songs. So to me, that's the most important thing. If it's about you, then you're going to have problems. Steven, I mean, you toured with guys. Was one guy writing everything or were they trying to be kumbaya too? 
I've had several musicians over the course of time, some who will remain nameless that have made a whole lot of money over time, tell me that the best thing a band can do to remain a band is to split the publishing equally, whether they write it or not, because it cuts out a lot of the fighting, a lot of the political trying to get your song on the album. It cuts all that out. So I have to believe that no matter who's writing, if you're picking the best songs for the record and nobody's fighting over which song goes on the record because they're making money regardless, that that's the best thing. Now, down the road, I think that people have gotten pissed off because certain members of bands will kind of just sit around and really not contribute while everybody else does the heavy lifting. Right. And that becomes a problem. And it certainly was, you know, Van Halen, they split everything four ways for the, for the first five albums or whatever, uh, and six albums. And then they went back and renegotiated and kicked Anthony out of a bunch of his uh, publishing and all that stuff. But I have to believe that that is the best thing for peacekeeping in the end. If you're in a band, you're all contributing. Whether you're writing the song or not, it's how you play, it's uh, the parts you play. So everybody's contributing. That's my take. Yeah, I just, uh, although I agree keeping the piece, dividing it by four or five, how many got in the band is probably the way to go. Man, if I'm doing the lion's share of the work, that's a yeah. tough one to take 20 years later. And let's face it, if you're in Earth, Wind, and Fire, you're fucked if you're splitting it equally. <laughs> 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 So then we got into some really passionate answers. Like uh, we had a friend, Rat is superior to crew. Warren and Robin smoke Mick. Tommy's better than Bobby. Bassists and singers are about equal. Rat has better songs. I think it comes down to visual and marketing. Crew created a reputation that personified the time period. You wanted to be part of their circle. Rat, not so much. I think we talked about all that stuff, and probably all that's true. I don't know if the bassists are equal. I don't know. Yeah, once. As a bass player, Juan is superior to Nikki easily. I, I literally think it musician-wise, from the singing on to the whole band, the one guy that loses out is is Bobby, who I think is still a good drummer. Yeah. And then Steven, a lot of lot of comments around Piercy's vocal range being limited, but Vince being able to do more. Maybe I'm missing <laughs> something on Vince. Uh, Steven, am I some missing something on Vince? <laughs> I, I don't personally think that has anything to do with anything. I mean, do you agree? That's kind of ridiculous if you ask me. No, I don't agree. Okay, I mean, they both are pretty limited. <laughs> I mean, they're both different ranges. I think out of the two of them, Vince probably has the more distinct voice. I mean, Vince's voice is kind really? of really. Yeah, uh-huh. listen, both of them have distinct voices, yeah. but Vince has this really. The first time I heard Vince Neil was on Livewire and it was on a demo tape for that Leather Records. That's the first time I ever heard him sing. Really? And I was That's like, cool. I was like, this is really weird. I had this California <laughs> surfer girl give me this and tell me, you got to listen to this. Now, incidentally, this same girl gave me an Uzi Suicide record from a band called Guns N' Roses and told me to listen to that too. So, she was definitely dialed into what was happening in California. And in my little podunk town, that was like getting a, a diamond in the rough. 
to be able to hear some of that stuff early on. But Vince is just, I don't know, man, just weird and unique and not necessarily good or bad, but just kind of nasally to me. I, I yeah. think um, uh, Steven wants to be Steven Tyler and Vince just wants to be skinny. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Again, yeah. yeah. Motley group sharing a beer and a joke. Nikki, yeah. Vince, and Mick. It's very difficult to be the opening act at any festival, and you came to Donington with a lot to prove. It, it, it could be argued that heavy metal is a, a rather simplistic model of exaggerated masculinity for a, the insecure pubescent male to adopt and assert. Is it really all about having a big willy? Yeah, we're flakes. Yeah, we don't care. <laughs> you know, we love to. And if you don't have one, you've always got your extra socks sticking <laughs> out your pants. You've hardly been discreet about your liking of drugs in a sounds interview. Um, you said that the more records we sell, the more drugs we get. I <laughs> really cleared that one. Our dollar bills are putting in the bank or up the nose. In the bank. Yeah. In the bank.
my first show. First show I ever saw. 1985, August, Motley Crue, Loudness. And I did not own the Theater of Pain record yet. Mm. And I got the ticket from somebody. I'm, I was 15 years old, right? And when saw live, the show was good. But I'm like, I didn't understand one word that guy said. I hope the album has lyrics. Otherwise, I am screwed because I cannot understand what that guy's saying. And uh, But I had the same problem with Steven. I, it took me years to figure out what he was singing in Wanted Man. I had no idea. Um, so they both got the same problem. I, I don't know. And that's a push as far as range. They're, they're very different sounding kind of guys, but it's not like, you know, Vince's goddamn Mariah Carey and uh, 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 Steven is the chocolate rain guy. Chocolate rain. Some stay dry and others feel the pain. Chocolate rain. A baby born will die before the sin. Chocolate rain. <laughs> Chocolate rain, God. (laughs) And then, as Steven said earlier, we got a bunch of them. Rat rocks. Oh, crew rocks. Mm. Eric Miller, rat 100%. That's already put. Thanks, Eric. And then BJ Cramp, rat 110%. Uh, Thanks. That really helps us. Then somebody uh, shall remain nameless, because I think it's unfair a little bit, uh, but we'll talk about it. Robin got hooked on heroin and created a tailspin for rat, while Motley headed to Dr. Feelgood and took over the world. Uh, wow. Blame is that even all? true? Is it, I don't is, know. That timeline doesn't seem accurate to me. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, blaming on Robin's kind of tough. Yeah, if they had a leader, it was Robin, but uh, I think they were kind of like pretty much a ship without a, a fucking, uh, what, what's the thing on the bottom that steers it? You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Not a buoy, but uh, a ship without a rudder. Yeah. A, a rudderless <laughs> ship is what Rat was. So here's what I would say about that. Obviously, both bands had their drug issues, so I don't know how true or fair that is. And Nikki, being the principal songwriter for the crew, he had bigger drug problems than any of them. And it wasn't until I read Piercy's book that I realized how big a player Robin was in the songwriting and keeping that band together. So it was oftentimes that Robin and Nikki we're doing drugs together. So both of them <laughs> were the drug problems. So I think it's kind of a wash there. Yeah. It's interesting about Robin. Like to me, Warren is an incredible riff master at this point. His lead playing is awesome. I don't know if I maybe don't know when Robin's playing and when Warren's playing and maybe Warren's getting all the credit, but for some reason I feel like giving Warren credit. Baco, can you tell the difference between who's playing the lead or not? Well, I mean, Warren did all the leads, as far as I know. I mean, I think Robin okay. did a couple, but uh, Robin's role was more kind of a Keith Richards kind of thing, except for less songwriting. But he kind of did that kind of like, you know, kind of that, that that rhythm balance. Or if people would like a, a selfish, think about me kind of version, he was the Baco in the band, as far as guitar playing. Yeah, I never played leads in, in my band, but you, you have two guitar players. Warren was definitely the, the lead guitar player. Yeah, and Steven, uh, you like Warren's playing, right? You're a Warren fan. I think Warren's a fantastic player. I think Robin is probably underrated and less credited, so I understand what you're saying, but my recollection of seeing them live was that he played a lot more, Robin played a lot more leads than you would think than Warren did. That was my recollection from the few times that I saw them live as the original band. 
So you would say you, you, you saw him lay it down? Wow. <laughs> I saw him lay it down, yeah. Oh, wow. uh, but also... Did you ever go back for more? <laughs> shit. Also, I and would did say... You, and did you give him any urine love? No. Also, I would say that after reading Piercy's book, too, uh, the way that it was portrayed with Warren, they sort of guided Warren, at least according to that book, you know? So I don't know how true or not true that is. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've read Stephen's book, too. I kind of put it up there with the Peter Chris truthometer um, yeah. as, as far as books. Uh, there's some reality to it, and there's some personal get-back-at yeah. kind of shit going on there. Uh, although uh, it doesn't sound like Warren's the greatest guy in the world. Either. Whatever. These guys, look, whatever. Musicians are all fragile. They're all fucking psycho. Yeah, but Warren's a fantastic player. I mean, bottom line, he can shred. And then the last set of comments were really all around, I rarely listen to crew, and I'm a huge fan of rap. Like, that came out a lot. So I started thinking about it. I'm like, all right, if I got my phone on in the car, Bluetooth, and if, you know, I don't know, Kickstart My Heart comes on, do I skip it? I don't skip it, but I'm like, damn, crew again. But if Scene of the Crime comes on, man, I think I turn it up, right? So I think what that may be is crew is played a lot in whatever you might be listening to. And the only rat you ever hear is round and round. So that makes rat more interesting because it seems like deeper cuts. What do you think about that? Baco? I agree. Um, man, I, uh, I, I, I could probably make a, a funner playlist of rat tunes over Motley Crue, even though I've just said earlier that I'm probably a bigger Motley Crue fan, but th- I might be a little more, more tired out on them, but, uh, yeah, rat, I like, the problem is that their deep tracks sound just like their hits. <laughs> if you like one rat song, you're probably going to like all of them except for Slip of the Lip. <laughs> and Way Cool Jr. Yeah, and Way Cool Jr. <laughs> well, because I have a crush on Way Cool Julie, I now like that song, but only because of that. I'm trying to figure out how Dance, Dance, Dance isn't getting talked about. I love that tune, man. <laughs> Baby, we can dance, dance, dance. Man, I'm in 1985. I'm going to junior high. Am I, am I going to listen to the new Rat Record or Wasp? Man. <laughs> Steven, I'm assuming you're burnt out on crew, so if Rat Song comes up, you probably turn it up. I just think they're better songs. I mean, that's the bottom line. Yeah, I guess there's a little bit of that burned out factor, uh, and it doesn't make me love love any less kickstart my heart. Cause I crank that up no matter when it comes on, but hearing in your direction or lack of communication or dance, 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 or slip of the lip or any of those tunes. I love it. It's great stuff. Okay. So before we get to kind of our final thoughts, you know, we love talking about kiss. You wanted the best, but you got the best. The hottest band in the world. Kiss. It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So, Karabi is the only guy that's been in both bands. So, let's go with a song. Right? Let's go with a song that Karabi and Bruce Kulick cover. It's not exactly my favorite, but it's from 1999's live release called Live at the Galaxy. Here is Union with the Kiss Classic. Oh, my God. Jungle. This is called the jungle, baby! 
<laughs> Did you just call Jungle a Kiss classic? Hey, Rockle thinks it's a classic, so it must be. <laughs> oh man, That's, that might be my. my uh, no, I've actually never heard this, so I'm looking forward to to catching that. Uh, I that's I, I never got that record, but that's probably the weakest track off that record, Carnival Souls. I just never got it. Um, I know it got played on radio at least around here a lot, but uh, yeah, it's all, the baseline's bitch, bitching, but oh yeah. When I was looking on the wiki, Motley's only had like I think eight or ten members total so even if they had somebody come fill in or tommy lee was gone for a while or whatever rats had like 55 yeah <laughs> got it especially towards the end oh, and they're still doing it yep. yeah <laughs> yeah no shit so, and on that total do they count blotzer's rat because he called it rat for a while yeah i don't i know. saw that rat was it good actually it was pretty good really <laughs> well it had uh what's that uh bass player from yt was in it Oh, John oh, Nynum, uh, is that right? No, 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 no. Um, you're talking about Brad, uh, La- Brad Lang. Lang. Yeah. Lang. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And the singer was really good, and Blotzer was fine, and the guitar players did okay. As far as the performance, yeah, it was a shit show because Bobby came out and did this whole like little weird speech, and it was nuts. I am so entitled to these songs. I know I'm only the drummer, but I was in Rat, and I'm entitled festival came up in my memories today which is why it's on the top of my mind i definitely posted a video so it's got to be coming up of that speech it's really dumb it's it's not as as simple as what you're saying but it's kind of in that vein it's just kind of yeah i have a big problem with anybody speaking on stage that is not the singer i got a major problem with that yeah kingdom come kotak is i'm like who, who, who are you just sit down and that guy's fucking nuts. Why the hell yeah. is he talking at all? Right? So I, I just really have a hard time. And you can never make out what they're saying, right? So the guitar player mumble, guitar player mumble something. And it's like, dude, why are you even t- Just do your job. Let the singer do his job. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. I got, yeah. a hard, I got a hard time with that. I 100% agree with you with, with the exception that it has to be the singer. I just don't want multiple voices. It has to be one voice between songs. That's it. And it has to be the one voice all through the show. I Nothing says amateur hour more than when other members of the band are talking while somebody else is talking or they're talking back and forth. It's like you sound like a bar band, which is fine if that's all you want to be. But to me, especially at that le- the lower level, it doesn't always have to be the singer if he's not comfortable. But it has to be one person. It can't be multiple. The one voice between songs. I'm with you, Pony. I have an issue with uh, these bands going out where the only original guy is a drummer and he's taking claim for stuff probably he never <laughs> did anything on. I mean, for the most part. Are you we, talking about LA Guns? I, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm talking about a lot of this stuff. I mean, for the most part in bands, it's usually the singer and the guitar player that are pretty much writing everything. Yeah, there's different cases. And the only time I want to hear from a drummer is Don Henley with the Eagles. <laughs> other than that, yeah, other than that, what drummer, I mean, what drummer can take claim? Phil Collins. Okay, Phil Collins. Yes, you're right. Yeah, suck it. <laughs> but, I mean, that's it took just. took me half a second to come up with that, Steve. So, so can I say Kelly Keegy? Suck it. Yeah, fuck yeah. Hey, <laughs> Kelly Keegy is the biggest rock star I got to hang out with while recording a, a, my own record. It kind of sucks because, like, 
you have to like explain who Kelly Kigi is to people. You know, it's like it's not like I said like, hey, I thought Ozzy was there while I was recording this record and we sort of coked together. It's like, yeah, Kelly Kigi is like who? You ever heard of Night Ranger? Eh. Uh, you seen Boogie Nights? Yeah. Remember that scene where they're going like didn't motor it? Like, yeah. Well, he was a drummer in that band and he wrote that song. It's kind of a buzzkill that you have to go through all this stuff, but I, he could not have been a cooler dude. Uh, hands on. The only reason he was there is that like um, he was friends with the studio owner, and he let us use his drum kit on the, on our first record uh, because he had it all mic'd up for his own deal. He's like, "Well, just go use it, and you know, I'll, I'll I'll record after you guys are done." But he he was married to a woman in Northfield, Minnesota, that they were just getting a divorce at the time, oddly enough. But yeah, Kelly Kiki. Look at that, a Kelly Kiki story. He's my my claim to fame. Hey, have either of you guys met anybody in Rat or uh, Motley Crue? Um, I've met Steven, and he was very nice. Really? Yeah, he was really actually super cool. He asked me for a lighter. I didn't have one. We sat and chatted for about 10 minutes, though. I'm trying to think. No, no, nobody in crew. Well, we, we've had uh, Karabi on the show, but Luce did the interview, but that's not really a meeting. But yeah. Uh. Yeah, I've met Karabi. That's the only one from crew. And uh, I've not oh. met the Rat members I know. But, you know, out of the 55, I'm not sure if they, you know, were at the same McDonald's I was at. <laughs> I've, I've met. I met well, hold it real quick. I met Bobby at that bar gig I told you about after bar closed. How was and he? And we had about, a well, he was nice, but he was definitely looking around me instead of at me <laughs> while we talked and uh, looking for any type of like bar skank that might have been left. Yeah, because uh, bar was bar was closed and they gave him a beer. And, and the only reason I got one was because I was standing next to him. So Bobby got me a free beer, too. But uh, it was definitely not like his decision, like, uh, like, hey, give my buddy a beer here. It was more like I just happened to be like pestering him at the end of the night. But he was the only guy at the band that came out in, into the bar. So anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry, Stephen, you were talking about somebody. <laughs> I was just going to say I met everybody in both bands except for Mick Mars. He's the only one I didn't meet. Tommy, super cool. Extremely nice. All the times I've met him. Nikki was okay. Vince, not so much. Steven, not so much. Warren and Robin and Juan, all very cool. And uh, Blotzer, meh. <laughs> That's his middle name. <laughs> meh. <laughs> well, and I'm sorry, but it just hit me. In 2007, I got married in Vegas. And walking out of the Hard Rock Casino, I damn near smacked Vince Neal in the face with a door. But this is like midday, and I, did, I didn't even recognize him. He had a hat on, he was not showered, and he was just coming from his uh, banana yellow uh, Lamborghini. Anyway, as I'm walking down, my wife is like going like mumbling like, and at the point that it's much too late, she's like, I'm like, what are you saying? She's like, that was Vince Neal. I'm like, why didn't you fucking say something? Anyway, by the time I walked in the back in, he was gone, but uh, it was kind of fun. <laughs> you just reminded me. I have met Vince. I played three-card poker with him at the Hard Rock. I totally forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, it was probably 15 years ago. Uh, oh, wow. He wasn't very talkative. Did you, did you win? Three-card poker is a tough game for me. I'm, I'm better at some of the other games. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he's one of those guys that sits down and has a brick of ten thousand dollars in cash in front of him and yeah. then he kind of cashes in as he wants chips and plays five hundred dollars a hand he's one of those guys hey i suppose uh, 
So, Stephen, so final kind of words on Rat Crew. What do you believe? What do you don't believe of all this stuff? I think that there have been a lot of valid points made as to why the crew ended up a bigger band in the long run. For me personally, Rat is in my top 10. I like their songs better. I love the, the crew. I have no issues. It's just pound for pound. I prefer Rat music to crew music i think it's the riffs and things such as that both bands are great and uh yeah that's my final thoughts Baco, how about you these two bands were basically the soundtrack to my junior high early high school years and uh honestly when it comes to that kind of stuff the the, the nostalgia is pretty equal for both i i do think i get why motley crew is iconic at this point and rat isn't but I do think Rat deserves a little bit more legitimacy, but they keep getting in their own way, so fuck them. They can't even just agree to to even do what Motley does, which is like, we won't talk to each other, we won't look at each other, we'll take four different buses to the show, we'll walk on stage, we'll perform, and then we'll leave. You know what I mean? And the fact that they can't get past that. But on a plus side... Rat has never recorded those four songs that Motley tried to reunite for for that uh, horribly wonderful Dirt movie that Netflix did. <laughs> Rat doesn't have a movie. That's what the problem is. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> nobody brought that up, huh? Rat needed a Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> yeah. Who would? Uh, we should talk about that. Who would play Steven? I'm gonna go with uh, uh, Steven Dorf. <laughs> <laughs> for me, Motley. I probably listen to more Motley than I do Rat. I would say. Rat has better musicians than Motley does. I think the pop culture comments that people were making about there's this thing that if it just kind of keeps you in the news and people love a public train wreck, Rat was a inner fighting train wreck. Motley was a public train wreck. Oh, I think good that kept point. There. I guess, you know, if Rat was out there doing movie stars and stuff, then maybe they'd be there too. Who knows? But I enjoy motley music more i would say but uh i don't think uh rat sucks by any means that's for sure but it's i'll tell you something though on this whole twitter and facebook thing on this post i can light myself on fire nobody would care but if paul makes pasta or we talk about rat motley crew everybody's <laughs> got a comment <laughs> so <laughs> oh good point i you know i was i was really disappointed uh several years back because I think it would have been a really good opportunity for Rat when they had the whole band back together. Yeah. Minus Robin and they had Carlos Cavazzo in there and they put out Infestation and Infestation was a great album. They could have really capitalized. They couldn't have been the size that Crew is, but they could have done really well, I think, uh, and gotten some decent tours and, you know, just done themselves justice for lack of a better word. And instead they're out there and I hear that, you know, Piercy's band is good and they're doing the stuff good and that's all well and fine, but they're, they're not playing big clubs or playing small clubs and you know, it's hit or miss. So I don't know. That's disappointing infestation 10 years old at this point. That's crazy to me. That is nuts. 
Wow. All right. So this has been fun. I mean, we covered everything. It's been a good discussion. Uh, I think we're all pretty passionate about both these bands, it sounds like to me. And obviously, there are a lot of listeners out there that are passionate about both these bands because nobody was saying crew sucks or rat sucks they were basically just saying you know i love motley crew better or i love rat better but no i didn't hear a whole lot of people going this band sucks or that band sucks so yeah i think that if you're a fan of one you're probably a fan of both they certainly were both relevant at the time that they came out i remember the back for more video where they're all in the video together along with ozzy and jakey lee and you know, we talk about, uh, we forgot to mention Jakey Lee uh, was an original member of Rat back in the Mickey Rat days. So that band has seen a lot of lineup changes come and go um, and crew not so much. But uh, yeah, I love both bands. Baco, pimp your podcast one more time before we get out of here. Yeah, please check out Cobras and Fire. Uh, go to cobrasandfire.com. It has all the information you'll need, all the links to the Facebook stuff. Uh, if you're on Facebook and you and you like kind of jackass conversation, uh, check out our group, Cobras on Fire. It's a private group, so just uh, just request to join, and we'll pretty much let you in as long as we can prove you're not uh, uh, a 12-year-old. We, we try to keep it to adults only, even <laughs> though the conversation is hardly uh, mature, but... Uh, uh, that said, you know, I love both you guys. You guys are always good sports. We've of course hung out and, and spent some time together, but I appreciate you having me on Sonny. I, uh, we've taken a lot of, a lot of cheap shots at you lately, but hopefully it comes across the right way. And Steven <laughs> and Steven, I always, what, what the hell am I talking about? I'm always doing my, my Steven impersonation on the show once in a while. So, but no, uh, thanks you for having me. Yeah, I agree with you. you this is a, definitely a band, two bands that I can speak passionately of. It reminds me of uh, times when I was younger. Uh, Baca, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your insight as always. Give our love to your partner in crime, Loose Cannon over there at Cobras and Fire. His ears must be burning because he just called me like one minute ago. Yeah, and I think that's it, right, Sonny? Uh, last thing I have to say is sequencing does not matter. I don't care what <laughs> Cobras and Fire says. <laughs> period oh man send me that clip <laughs> Spoke- oh, that soundbite for the show and, and here you go i love pink cream 69 there. <laughs> yeah that was good <laughs> spoken by a true singles lover sequencing doesn't you, matter you guys are the best man <laughs> all right folks uh until next week we'll catch you on the flip side see ya later Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.